0: I'm Hannah Young, host of Brits in the Big Apple, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Isnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. I'm Hannah Young, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Isnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. You're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Isnick sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at usnick or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing The Caring Economy with your friends and colleagues. And Toby, I'll do it one more time from the top. I'm going to put the microphone a little bit further away. I'm Hannah Young, host of Brits and the Big Apple, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. I'm Hannah Young, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. You're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at tusnick or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing the caring economy with your friends and colleagues.
1: Good afternoon and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to the caring economy with me, Toby Eustick. Today, my guest is Blake Woolsey. She is the chief communications officer and development officer for Heartland Forward, which is a fantastic homegrown American organization. <laughs> going to talk about today. They describe themselves, and I love this, as a think and do tank versus really an organization you should know about, and also one that addresses a part of the world that is often overlooked because people just don't think about it, I think. So, welcome to the Caring Economy, Blake Woolsey.
2: Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And I love the way you describe this. You're a good ambassador for us. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, let's let the listeners decide. But I think that um, you are a great ambassador for the Heartland. But before we get to the, the Heartland forward, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, basically, you know, where you're born and how you got to where you are today, maybe even some of the pivots you had to make along the way.
2: Oh yeah, of course, of course, of course. So I was actually born in Pensacola, Florida. My father was in the Marine Corps, so that's where my mom and dad were stationed. And at a very young age, I don't even think I was quite two, they moved to San Antonio, Texas, because that is where my mother's parents were living at that point. My mother had been raised in Texas. And so I spent the rest of my life there up until I got married to my husband And we were in Houston and he found a job in what we call Northwest Arkansas. And at that point in time, we were both very poor. We were very young. I had just graduated from college. We didn't have two pennies to rub together. And I was up for an adventure. And so I left this fabulous PR agency in Houston, Texas, to follow my spouse to northwest Arkansas. And we planted ourselves in Fayetteville, which is where the University of Arkansas, the flagship campus of our state, that's where they're located. We were not much older (laughs) than the kids in school, so it felt like exactly where where we should be. And that was in 1994. And we have lived there ever since. And I just feel so grateful while I am away from my family in San Antonio, because I have all of my family there. I am grateful to this this amazing state that has provided so much opportunity for me. Because I came to a state where if I, if nobody else was going to step up to the plate and there was something to be done and I raised my hand, somebody would say, well, by all means, we were happy for you to do that. So I learned a lot, not just professionally, but even as a volunteer that then helped me professionally. So uh, while I left a P- PR job that was phenomenal with 21 people in downtown Houston, owned by a female, female owned, which that was unheard of at that time. Mm -hmm. I'd gotten so much uh, great exposure while I was at Vollmer Public Relations. I came, when I came to Northwest Arkansas, there was not a PR agency. (laughs) And so I really did have to figure out what I was going to do. That's why I just feel like the state has been so good to me because I've had all kinds of incredible experiences while here.
1: We have to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Paige Jernigan, who hooked us up. Oh,
2: yes. She's one of my favorite people. (laughs)
1: She's awesome. Uh, But she actually probably knows this. And you and I didn't connect this until now. But I'm not from San Antonio, but my husband's from there and my parents retired there. So I have a fondness in my heart for San Antonio
2: as well. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, it's one of those cities that is so well defined its culture Mm -hmm. and it still feels like a small community, even though it is the seventh largest city in the United States. And people are just so bewildered by that. My only, my only caution for anybody is just don't go in July or August
1: (laughs) because it's like
2: a thousand degrees.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's a good segue to Heartland forward because it is San Antonio is that kind of city that It doesn't necessarily appear in one's mind as a top 10 city in this country, the seventh, as you pointed out, but it is huge. It's epic. It's grown. And um, clearly Heartland Forward is about growth and responsible growth and investment. So let me tee it up and ask you to tell us, Blake, a little bit about Heartland Forward and its mission.
2: Well, in the introduction, you were talking about that Heartland, the Heartland is a bit overlooked Mm -hmm. probably because people do exactly what So many do, they fly from one coast to the other for business. And we all know what happened a couple of elections ago and not to be red or blue, um, not to be right or wrong. I just think at that point in time, it shouted a very loud message that there is this portion of our country that is this portion that has not felt heard. At that point in time, Olivia Walton, who is the daughter-in-law of Jim Walton and Jim Walton is the heir To Sam Walton, a son of Sam Walton. Um, She said, you know, we need to do something about this. And so they hosted an event in October of 2018 called Heartland Summit. Mm -hmm. And it was bringing together about 300 people, very diverse in expertise and background and talent, and had really rich discussions about this very topic. It was at that event that Heartland Forward was announced as this think tank that was going to emerge. Kind of did it backwards a little bit. Typically, you have like a think tank and then the event is held. This was an event. And then the announcement of our institute, Heartland Forward, was announced. And in doing that, we focused really on four pillars because there's so many things to focus on. But four really important pillars. One is innovation and entrepreneurship, because entrepreneurs are the lifeblood of any economy. And we should be supporting them no matter where they are in the process. And we need to build them as best we can. Um, The second is human capital, or in our COVID world, we're talking about that as workforce development, right? Uh, How do we upskill? How do we change careers if we found ourselves in a place where we're not happy with what we're doing and I have a talent to be contributing? How do I make that happen? The third is health and wellness. And some people say, how in the world is that tied to the economy? but you know if you are somebody who has a company and you want to be able to attract a great talent you also want that talent to be healthy <laughs> if nothing else even like with your medical benefits you know i don't want my health insurance to cost me a fortune because i don't have healthy employees right mm-hmm. And then our fourth pillar is regional competitiveness. And that's almost like the cradle for everything because if you can attract amazing talent, if you have got entrepreneurs, if you have healthy uh, people who have a great quality of life, you are regionally competitive. And we've got great examples out, that, out there of a lot of Heartland communities that are doing that very thing. We just need to continue to help improve the, the economic performance of the Heartland.
1: As you're, you're speaking, I'm reminded of uh, another great Arkansas, uh, a native actually, Virginia Smith, who uh, is a pal. And her husband, Patrick Robinson, has a, a clothing design and he manufactures across the heartland, giving jobs and opportunities to people to do American manufacturing. Uh-huh. So, I love it. Realize- it's living
2: That's- the American dream in my opinion, right? I mean, that is like the consummate example of that.
1: And is that kind of the where the rubber meets the road for Heartland Forward? You you help support those kinds of entrepreneurs or
2: okay, that's a good question because we define ourselves as a think and a do tank. Mm -hmm. And so some people they think they say, Well, what is a think tank? Do y'all just sit in a tank and just think and talk to each other? And it's like, no, 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 no. We actually have these amazing economists that are working on reports. And some of them are evergreen. They're annual reports that were coming out and we're we're comparing not just Heartland, but all 48 contiguous and in some cases 50 states so that we can learn from the coastal states, right? Because the coastal states need the Heartland as much as the Heartland needs the coast. Mm-hmm. And so we learn from each other. So we're looking at rankings and going now, why did this shift or why did that shift? What are they doing right? what what's unique about this but then some of the reports that we do are really relevant to our world today like the economic savings of the covid vaccine like Oh my gosh, our nation saved money by being able to work in public-private partnerships and really expedite the process of getting the vaccine available so that people could go back to work, so people could leave their homes and um, do the things that we've so missed doing. On the other side of that, that think, that's the think, those research reports, we have the do, and that really is do. It's not just convening people. For the summit, it is literally boots on the ground and local community helping people recognize that they have an idea and they can bring that to fruition and they actually could start a business. And we do that through a program called the Community Growth Program and Toolkit. In fact, we launched last week that with 50 participants in the cohort in the communities of Oxford, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Iowa City. And each one of those communities actually fronted money to be able to participate in a two-to-one match. And the folks that go through this, these builders, as we call them, or entrepreneurs, as most people would call them, they go through 45, literally 45 days of moving very quickly to put their plan together and working side-by-side with serial entrepreneurs and venture capitalists, to kind of poke holes in their plan mm-hmm. and then the next 45 days they get what we call a pebble grant of five thousand dollars to put that idea into practice into action and see if it's going to stick mm. and with our pilot that was originally in the summer was just in tulsa and oxford and 30 percent of those who participated had an idea that could actually move forward. And you, you figure that's a pretty good investment. There were 15 of those people
0: mm-hmm. and for
2: a third of them to be able to move forward with an idea. Um, those are really good odds. In my opinion, I don't would hope other people would agree.
1: Absolutely. And uh, it feels a little bit like the, uh, the TV show shark tank.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> I guess some of them are real, there's some of them are social entrepreneurs. So they're dealing with things like a food desert mm-hmm. or uh, it's interesting from this group. It's literally teaching um, about the history of the black community, you know, within a community. And so some of them are really different. And then some of them are just like your typical business that you might imagine. So, um, it's, it's varied and it's exciting to see.
1: And, and what's the sort of the gating process you've, you've launched this in those four cities and are you now you've received all your applications or there is a rolling admission or how does that work
2: i don't know so there was um, a number of applicants in each one of the communities there' there are 20 that were chosen in tulsa and then 10 in the other three communities mm-hmm. and they have started so last week they kickstarted and so they're literally going through that first 45 days of moving quickly which you know that's hard when you're building a business mm-hmm. and as most people are they're doing something else at the same time. Most of us don't have the luxury of, oh, I just have so much money in the coffers. I can just sit here and build a business and take as much time as I want. Most people have another job, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, they'll be moving really quickly and putting their plans together before they then um, make their presentations to receive then your, their Pebble grants.
1: And, and approximately how many sessions a year would you expect to have?
2: Well, oh, every quarter. So there'll be cohorts every quarter. And we'll be doing them at a national cohort level that could be, say, focused just on health mm-hmm. or just um, HBCUs in the Heartland. And we will support in that manner. So it's really exciting to be a entrepreneurial organization on your own. We're only two years old, Toby. I mean, yeah. it's awesome. So sometimes we look at each other and we're like, well, what are we going to do? And it's like, well, what do you want to do? What? What do we, you know? There's no bureaucracy, no hoops to really have to grow, and so we know we can do what's right.
1: Yeah. Well, I wonder uh, for our audience if there's a way to be in touch with you. If, for example, we have a business leader who would want to help out, or if you have a uh, an entrepreneur listening who wants to participate, how best to to find either you, Blake Woolsey, or uh, Heartland Forward?
2: Absolutely. So you can always go to our website heartlandforward.org. So that's something important to remember because we are a 501c3. We are a public charity. Mm -hmm. And so to remember that we are a .org or you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn or on Twitter and you can find me, Blake Woolsey. um, And I'm happy to visit with whomever has an interest in something like this because I think um, our world needs more of this and more support in this way.
1: I would agree. I think that there's a, you're, your timing is perfect. I think there's more awareness. And I think because of COVID, actually, many of us have become a little bit more domestic in our orientation. (laughs) And also, you know, I think one silver lining with COVID is it increased digital literacy and allowed people to envision careers and opportunities in places that they might not have thought they could have done so before. You know, traditionally, you might be drawn to the East Coast or the West Coast. Now, you have the opportunity to perhaps do your career in the heartland because it's available. Is that a fair statement? I hope
2: that the world thinks about quality of life. I Mm -hmm. do hope that once, you know, everything continues to simmer down a little bit more um, and people are not as upset or angry about what has happened to us, because I think it's just not something that's actually within our control, right? This has happened. Mm -hmm. And I do hope that quality of life will land on everybody as being very important for them because we all know that our time on this in this world is uh not infinite and if we're going to live you want to live your very best life and if that's the case do it where you want to do it to where you have the quality whether it's you you know mentioning san antonio you know it's that's one of the things i think about san antonio is there's a tremendous quality of life and a great cost of living Mm-hmm. You know, great cost of living. It is still very, very um, reasonable to live there. It hasn't you know, skyrocketed quite like its neighbor just a bit north of it, mm-hmm. Austin, where it is it skyrocketed just a little bit more so than San Antonio or Houston or Dallas. So I hope that people will think about that because I, I agree with you. I think with our digital world, as long as you have access to high speed Internet, and that's something that we're working on as Heartland Forward because we think everybody mm-hmm deserves that, um, that they should have that, whether it's going to school or whether it's working or even it's just for the purposes of leisure that you should be able to access high-speed internet to do as you need.
1: And do you, with that internet point, um, Blake, do you work with elected officials as well or is that kind of an area you don't go?
2: So our job in the reports, Toby, actually what we're doing is we're trying to influence them, right, so that there are changes. And we have this 501C3 Heartland Ford. We do also have a 501C4. So there are times in which we may advocate or lobby in a way that um we can't as a 501 c3 but we're working in four states right now through a program that we have called connecting the heartland it's -hmm. specific to arkansas ohio illinois and tennessee and when the when the emergency broadband dollars came down we were really Mm -hmm. concerned that people would not know how to access them Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly if you're black latino and you're kind of going is this Is this real? (laughs) (laughs) Am I really gonna get the $100 for this and the $50 for that? And so we worked with LULAC as well as a lot of other organizations to support the efforts to get this in front of people who needed it. In fact, we trained 500 librarians, because where do you go? to get internet access if you don't have it at home, you go to the library. And we wanted librarians to be able to guide people on how they could apply and get the the dollars that they were eligible for. And so now with the infrastructure bill, we're working even further, but all of that to answer your question of, yes, we want policymakers to read our work and um, to make their own decisions, but to see what our recommendations are, of course.
1: Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, today on The Caring Economy, we have Blake Woolsey. She is the Chief Communications and Development Officer for Heartland Forward, the quote unquote think and do tank in mm-hmm. Northwest Arkansas. Uh, Blake, can you tell us a little bit about some of the one or some of the obstacles you face or have faced and how you might have overcome them?
2: Oh. As a professional, oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. particularly with well,
1: forward. I wonder. There's obviously a lot of education work that must go into what you do. Um, yeah. How do you educate people? How do you overcome ignorance or naivete?
2: Right. Well, I know one of one of the things that it is, that we have had to educate um, is the fact that we are a 501c3 and we have the generosity of the Walton family who seated us. And for anybody who knows of this family, they are first movers. They see a need, they fund that need, but at the same time, they also know that they want it to sustain over time. And so that is not their sole responsibility. You've got to get buy-in from others. And when you're a think tank like we are, I think a think and do tank, the credibility of our work is also relying on, on others having buy-in with us. So for some of um, the challenge that I have felt in this role, and Paige has felt it very well too, in the work that we do is that people who know that Jim seated us are like, well, why do you need money? <laughs> You've got billionaires who are right there. Right. But then when you explain that we're a public charity and a 501c3, they do have this better understanding that we are federally required to raise money outside of that Walton ecosystem ecosystem Mm -hmm. so if they people don't know that Jim is part of our he was the original person who invested in us the challenge that we typically find is explaining to people who we are and what we do and why this is so important Mm -hmm. so that's that other side of that education that you're talking about where we're not trying to change anything um, to make sure that uh, say some small community becomes the next New York City that's not we're trying to do we want to make sure that people have Uh, Great jobs where they can have a middle class lifestyle and uh, they can retire and they can get, you know, the medical treatment that they need, the health treatment that they need and all the things that they deserve as hardworking Americans. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's the other part that from the educational perspective, that's a lot of what we spend our time and is why we are important and really what kind of impact we can have.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I know from my, my work at Christie's uh, through the years, Alice Walton and the Crystal Bridges Museum that she set up there. And it sounds like the work that Jim is doing with you, clearly the Walton family is investing in the heartland uh, mm-hmm. and elevating people. But I, I guess that's a sword that cuts both ways. There are probably people who think that they could do more. And how do you deal with that kind of challenge? You've talked a little bit about the expectation that you don't need others dollars because of right. money. But once you get past that, then how do you deal with that sort of potential blowback?
2: Right. You know, it's really interesting because they're such a humble, such a humble family. Mm-hmm. And I, for anybody that I know, it's just tremendous gratitude for them. Uh, even for the areas of uh, this state or even peripheral states where they see so much benefit that's come to this area for which they are living. You know, people are just great. There's just this gratitude for the generosity and also the strategic mindset that they have, and, and that it's not just aspirational. There there are things that they know can happen and with their investment are going to happen and can be sustained. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting. That's really, really exciting to see in such a way. I mean, no different than what you meant about Crystal Bridges. I mean, everybody should have the ability to experience art. Mm-hmm. So why would you charge at the door? That's why it's free. Everybody should have the opportunity to walk in. And to experience that and have it um, speak to them in a way that maybe you know the person you came with it doesn't speak to them in the same way and to have their own experiences
1: yes and also uh, not just putting it there and expecting people to come i know again from colleagues who've gone to work there uh, there's the education programs the outreach programs the collaborations with museums around the u.s to share american art it's it's an active kind of effort it's not a passive kind of thing so I definitely commend the family for that. I wonder, so you Heartland Forward addresses uh, 40 states, is it total?
2: 20.
1: 20. So yeah. how we, do we, we... Don't
2: want, we don't we don't need 20 more, Toby. <laughs> We're trying to handle I, the 20 we have. Enough.
1: Well, that's exactly where I was going with this. how do you how do you prioritize which states, which cities in those states you go to? And and I guess there's probably a long line of organizations that want to work with you, but you have to somehow process those requests.
2: Right. So I feel like it's been a bit of a ripple effect. You know, you start with the people who, you know, right, in Arkansas, but we also don't want to be a think tank that is just laser focused on the state of Arkansas. But that's been the best place for us to try some things. Like during the pandemic, when it first was really, really ramping up, uh, the governor here said, can you please can you please work on an Arkansas economic recovery strategy? So we know what we need to be doing as a trajectory coming out of COVID. We were lucky because the governor knows who we are. It just so happens Stuart Walton, Jim's son, was chairing the recovery task force. So what an incredible opportunity, really relevant to work on something like that. And again, Arkansas focus. But then it's also looking at certain places where you think, let's go to the Community Growth Program and Toolkit. We could have easily gone to Austin or Nashville or Chicago and said, okay, participate in the Community Growth Program and Toolkit and let's help some of your local uh, folks who have great ideas who might want to bring them, put them into action as an entrepreneur. And instead we were like, you know what, those are great cities doing great work already. Let's help those others There are some of those up and coming communities like an Oxford, Mississippi, like a Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, Iowa City. So it allows us to begin to look and help some of those communities that we think, okay, this community, they kind of got it together. So let's now turn our eyes to those that maybe need that little bump, because Mm -hmm. we do want programs like this to sustain themselves once we leave those builders will continue to help other builders down mm. the road through the programs that we're, that we're leaving behind.
1: And Blake, the, the, the businesses in these communities, I'm thinking particularly of the larger global brands, you know, Nissan has built auto plants around uh, parts of the U S are, are there uh, certain businesses, they don't have to be global ones, but are there certain businesses that are great partners to you? I know you've talked, I mean, we've talked about Walmart, but are there great, Banks or manufacturers that have become good allies for you?
2: Well, we have started to work on building those relationships. Of course, one of the places that I would say that has been the easiest place to go is our advisory council, because we wanted there to be people representing from across from across the states um, of the heartland. So we have um, Sala Goss from Mastercard. We have other folks from, say, Sonic, the president of Sonic, Claudia San Pedro. You know, she serves on our advisory council. Uh, Charlotte Black, who's with Chambers Bank from Kansas City. So we do have that sort of representation. And uh, it is a very diverse board. And that's very important to us because I feel like that's another one of those topics that I said that sort of the cradle um, at being regional competitiveness, I feel like a lot of the work that we're doing also, and it's only become that much more apparent to us, not that it wasn't before, but DEI is so important and we need to have that lens because I think people who are not homogenous are looking and saying, I'm tired of talking about it. We got to do something about it now. And we hope that we're going to be helping make that happen.
1: You anticipated my next question. I, my experience, I'm from Ohio, by the way, by birth, I wasn't raised in heartland I,
2: state. I love it. Round
1: <laughs> on the ends and high in the middle. Um, but I think that, and I've seen this in, in San Antonio, I, the heartland is actually incredibly diverse. I mean, mm-hmm. whether you're Jewish or Chinese or African-American Indian, I don't think a lot of Coastal Americans realize how diverse the heartland is. And I wonder how if at all that plays into your work. Do you do you try and be as diverse in those candidates that you work with? Do you make it part of your messaging? How how does diversity get communicated in your efforts?
2: Always. I mean it's in it's in every way, shape, or form. We always want to hire the best candidate, right? That would it would be crazy not to be hiring the best candidate, but we are always looking for um, that diverse lens, always looking for that diverse lens. So while we are the 501c3 um, and we were seated by Jim, I mean, we also look at ourselves as an ecosystem. So a bit tied to the Walton Family Foundation. And then the organization that is sort of the business side that has a lot of the shared services, Walton Enterprises. DEI is something that is in the language every single day. Carol Stern, who is the executive director over the Walton Family Foundation, she was with UNICEF. And so I this is everything that we we expect. It's just a, I think it's a cultural expectation. And your leadership has to set the way. And so we've been very mindful about it in everything.
1: And as a sort of, a, as a prognosticator, or if you had your crystal ball, are there certain uh, areas or industries or jobs that you're seeing are really coming forward? New jobs, new industry type things, or you know, is it all AI or is it?
2: Okay, so we actually worked on a report last March And Jobs Ohio supported us in this, Mm -hmm. and it was called Reshoring America. And I think we all who have experienced COVID in the United States understand understand clearly that there were things we needed that we could not get. Mm -hmm. And so it was, and it happened, we released this, this report literally the week as Biden was speaking about reshoring and the importance of it. In Ohio was announced by Intel that it's going to be building the largest semiconductor factory in the United States. Mm. And we are so excited about that. One, there's not one in the heartland. Ohio got it. And then we were like, oh, my gosh. But it is work like that, that, you know, and think about being in a semiconductor factory. I don't think people see a factory or I hope they don't see a factory in the way we saw them, say, in the 20s, and the 1920s, and the 1930s. I mean, we know how technology has progressed and it takes You know uh it takes an education it takes growing in something and getting a certificate here or learning how to do and even if it is ai toby people are going to have to learn how to do that
1: you know i very much value what you're doing it's it's super important blake and
2: well it's yeah it's super exciting i mean every day to put your feet on the floor and to think that you're helping people in some form it's a great it's a great feeling of course
1: yeah, and you used the word earlier, ripple effect. I like that as well. You know, you if you create a, a plant in Ohio and you generate jobs that then have people who are paying to go to restaurants and put their kids in schools and get on school boards, that all matters. And then they're building a microchip plant that can give us some independence and security for yeah. microprocessors. I mean, that's it's it's strategically important to this country. So yeah, put it year. is.
2: It's you said ripple effect. It's interesting because this morning I was thinking about it being like a tipping point, mm-hmm. and I hope that it then will pull others to be looking at the Heartland as well. That mm-hmm. this is just one of many, um, and that the states can be competitive enough um, yes. in, in in providing the talent that organizations, companies like that need. Right?
1: Yeah, I was going to let you have the last word about as for our younger listeners who are thinking about purpose driven careers and purpose driven brands, but that. As a TF, I would say you've got Intel, they're there. Tech is growth opportunities for for jobs, for industry, but also for young people. Uh, how do you get young people engaged with this? For example, could Intel work with you to create a training program at a local HBCU or yep. a community college? I mean, it, the mind races with the potential to collaborate
2: yes well always and we feel like we are we cannot do this alone so it requires people to collaborate with right we are we are a team of 13 toby we are not a big team and what we've accomplished in a couple of years has actually been um incredible what has been able to get especially considering COVID is happening sometimes i'm like really in the middle of a pandemic um but i'm hoping that people will feel inspired and that they can make a difference and i feel like we have generations now that are that are that younger generation where it's not just going and punching a clock that they want mm-hmm. to know that there's something bigger Fair in the work that they're doing.
1: Uh, Blake, you certainly have had a purpose-driven career, and you are an inspiring leader. Do you have any sort of tips or advice or word to the wise about career or seeking purpose?
2: I wish that in my career that I had not um, doubted my intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, or your gut. And I am, I'm a firm believer that it is part of your intelligence. And that I wish earlier I had gone, you know what, I should not have thought I didn't know better. Mm -hmm. And that I would go, well, let's just wait to make that decision. Or let's just wait and see what happens. I wish that I had been more bold or courageous to trust my intuition in the way that I should have. Because when you look back post haste, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, I knew. I knew the answer. I know what we needed to do. Why did we waste why did I waste time worrying about that or questioning my myself? And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things that when I'm looking at young professionals I'm always saying don't question your intuition it is part of your intelligence use it. It's mm-hmm. there for a reason.
1: Yes, we hear so much about emotional intelligence now and I think gut check is part of that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been an honor to have Blake Woolsey with us. She's the Chief Communications and Development Officer for Heartland Forward. Check it out, heartlandforward.org, and be in touch. There's a lot of great opportunities that you can either be a part of or talk about. Thank you so much, Blake.
2: Thank you so much, Toby. It was great.
0: Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at T or LinkedIn at Toby Uznik, And thank you for sharing The Caring Economy with your friends and colleagues.